Welcome to the Startup Smarter Podcast, the best audio show for people who are ready to turn their big ideas into big income. Each week, we explore effective business strategies, guest interviews, and success stories that will help transform the hard grind of starting a business into a smarter and more scalable experience. Here's your host, Joe Johnson. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Startup Smarter Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Johnson. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about Kickstarter. And Kickstarter is really special to me because it's very similar to what I talk about in my business, Startup Smarter. We talk about how to validate, build, and launch a product idea without a big audience. And that's very similar to what Kickstarter is all about. You can enter that platform and validate an idea that you have and get some funding for your idea. And that's what makes crowdfunding platforms like Indiegogo and Kickstarter so interesting. And this episode holds a very special place in my heart because it reminds me of my little brother, Andrew, who is also an artist and creator. And I remember that when we were younger, we read a lot of comic books growing up. So everything from like X-Men to Sonic the Hedgehog, we read a lot of comic books. So this interview very much reminds me of him. I myself am not artistic at all. I can't even draw you a straight line. So this is really fun learning from an expert on how to launch a creative product in the Kickstarter space. This episode is dedicated to him and all the other creatives out there who are talented enough to start something and are ready to take their shot. But before we get started with the interview, I wanted to go ahead and talk about a new segment on the show, and it's going to be called Listener Shoutouts. And I want to keep this going as long as possible, where each week we'll select a random review and read it out loud on the show. And then we'll take those four or five people and put them into a drawing to win a special prize at the end of the month. So that being said, this week's shout out goes out to Luke Cadet. Luke writes, Joe's great advice has helped me triple my email list. His great insight has also assisted in learning a multitude of marketing techniques, apps, etc., A wealth of knowledge will be provided on the podcast, and I can't wait. That really means a lot because I built this podcast specifically with all the Startup Smarter podcast listeners in mind, and I want this place to be a continuous resource that you can reference whenever you're in a pinch or you want to hear from experts who want to see you succeed. Luke, thanks so much for the shout out, and if you want to have a chance to be featured on the podcast, go ahead and leave us a mention over at Startup Smarter net forward slash podcast. All right, today's episode is going to be with my good friend, Mike Speakman. He's from Melbourne, Australia, and he is a comic book creator who currently has an active campaign on Kickstarter right now. And he's also had several successful Kickstarters in the past. So I couldn't think of anybody else more qualified to come on today's episode and talk about our topic. All right, coming up next is my episode with Mike, and I hope you enjoy it. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. All right, so for anyone who doesn't know, could you give us your elevator pitch for the comic you recently finished writing, Space Cop Origins, and why should they be interested? I think one of the first things that I tell people is just myself or doing anything with this. Uh, Although I write a handful of the stories uh, and then collaborate with artists, uh, there are also other writer artist duos uh, in this anthology. So you're getting these stories from different 
backgrounds, different perspectives, you know, people of different race, gender uh, and orientation combined. So every story is fresh and comes from a different place than the one before it. Now, you've actually launched several successful Kickstarter campaigns in the past that were all in the comic book space. And I wanted to bring you onto the show to talk about those experiences to help encourage other creatives and artists in the audience that want to learn how to monetize their craft through crowdfunding. So one big question I had for you is why did you choose a crowdfunding platform like Kickstarter to launch your projects? Was it validation or was it more so monetary focused? I think a little bit of both. Um, A famous artist by the name of Jack Kirby once said that comic books will break your heart. And that's just more on the fact of anyone that gets into creating comic books to make a living or to become famous and rich are already doing this for the wrong reason. Uh, So it's more you've got to sacrifice a lot of your life and time and any sort of uh, free time, if you will, to create such a thing. So when it comes to Kickstarter, I guess it brings in a way of making, like bringing in some funding support uh, for the time that you've spent, that while you're spending that time, you're not making any money. You know, if you sit down and write for six hours a day or illustrate for six hours a day, in those six hours, you're not making a cent. You, you you don't have an afternoon shift job. You don't work longer hours. It is doing this for passion. So it helps with that because it's expensive to do printing. It's expensive to hire collaborators. So then that's one aspect of it. The other one is with validation. Not so much. I mean, sometimes people believe that you should be able to get these projects off the ground without uh, the help of crowdfunding. But then at the same time, there is a sense of validation when you get higher funds than your previous project or uh, a higher amount of backers than your previous project. It's always going to be like stepping stones. So you're always going to be aiming for better than what you did before. So I guess there's that sort of sense of validation. And as well as, at least with like comic books, I've found that if I have someone who's relatively well-known in the scene back the Kickstarter, it is an ego boost. That makes sense. All right. So before Kickstarter or Indiegogo was around, what was the traditional method for a comic book artist to publish their work and get paid for their talents? Uh, that That's a hard one. People can do things differently, but overall it would be, if I use my own story as an example, is I have no artistic talent when it comes to illustration. I cannot do it for the life of me. So therefore... I have to hire an artist to bring my stories to life. So the first step would be to find the artists that I'd like to work with and then work out page rate for them. Uh, Sometimes they, they will go, oh, we like what you're doing. 
We can bring rates down sometimes. They're just outside of your ballpark and you've got to move on. So before Kickstarter and other crowdfunding, with me, I had to just save up the money, find out how much it was going to cost, pay that money off. And then normally, at least from my experiences, an artist wants about half of it up front and the other half when they deliver the pages. Uh, so I had done that and then I saved up again to pay for the colorist to then add colors into it. And so it took longer than, I guess, what Kickstarter will allow you to do. Kickstarter means that you can, within 30 days, you can afford your creative art team. Whereas before, I just had to do the hard slog and work until I could pay off the artists. That's a really big difference. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So you've previously launched projects on Kickstarter before. What were those experiences like, and how did they prepare you for your latest project? It's really hard to, I guess, compare them. I think every project ends up running differently than you expect. Uh, There's always going to be loops and twists that you go around to get to the end result. I feel that a lot of people before a Kickstarter goes live, uh, show a lot of support. They go, yes, we're going to back this. Yes, we're going to, you know, give in this X amount of money, so on and so forth. And then, like a lot of people find out in life, it's easy to say something, but it's harder to do it. One of the things that I've learned, at least that stays the same over the Kickstarters, is never expect the people that say that they will back it to actually back it. Not to sound like a negative Nancy, but it doesn't come to be. At a lot of the time, they pull the pin at the last minute. But each previous Kickstarter, sort of, you learn tips and tricks that worked and what doesn't. And I think the ones that don't work stick with me more than the ones that do. And the ones that do work, I tend to evolve and go, all right, that worked. How can we make it work in the next one? So I don't agree with, let's say, annoying every single person on my friends like list on Facebook individually, just cold calling them pretty much and giving them a list to a Kickstarter. And that's mostly just because it happens to me. And when it happens to me, my level of interest for this project, however good it looks, goes out the window. Uh, But then the ones that do work, like teasing a project before it goes live is always going to be a good one. That makes sense. Okay. That's a really good tip. Now, one of the reasons that I personally love Kickstarter is that it helps you with the process of like rapid validation where people have a chance to vote with dollars if they want to see something that you're interested in come to market. So my question to you is, how does this work for you in comic books? Because it's not like a physical product. Do you have to create the first portion of the comic strip, put it on the Kickstarter page, and then only if it's successfully funded, do you go back and finish the entire book? It can be like that. A lot of projects are like that. Uh, A lot of the time, uh, someone will hire the artist or the rest of the team to do enough for like a publisher pitch. So, you know, you might get something like a cover and four to five pages of the story. And through that, that's what they're also using in the in the Kickstarter. With Space Cops Origins, it's a little bit away the other way. And it is 
fact that all of the artwork has already been done for this project, it means that this allows for us to do a larger print run. It also allows us to buy things that the book needs, so like ISBN uh, barcodes uh, and also promotional revenue. So to be able to put out ads on either Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. That makes sense. Okay. I never knew that before. That's really interesting. I want to take a moment and talk about the sheer star power that's powering this production because you have over like 30 contributors from more than 10 countries teaming up to put this together. I mean, you have Billy Martin, the guitarist from the band Good Charlotte working on it. And you have Pat Shand, uh, the writer of Destiny NY and the Marvel novels. How did this collaboration of talent even come to fruition? I think firstly, it's always going to be about networking. Uh, when you show interest and support to other people and you can build these friendships and relationships with them just by, I guess, not just offering them support. It should never be about getting anything out of them, but it's a bonus when you can. Obviously, you know, if, if you can find that you become friends with these people that are higher up, let's say, in like the comic book business game than you are, and they're willing to help, it'd be silly not to take up that offer. So with Pat Shand, I love his stuff, uh, spoken to him extensively just and had all these time where I can get advice from him. And then I guess I plucked up the courage uh, to ask him, just going, look, I'd love to have you write an introduction. You have a way with words, obviously. Uh, how can we make this happen? And he said, yeah, I'll do it. It was really as simple as that. As you know, I guess when you sort of build up relationships, it can be easier. Whereas if I would have just cold called him out of nowhere, having never spoken to him, it, it could be a different story. I mean, he's a really nice guy, so I mean, he may have turned around and said, "Sure, why not? I'll do it anyway." But having knowing him prior to this project even existing, it helps a lot. Uh, with Billy, I was on a huge like talent hunt looking for a cover artist my list was insanely long longer than any list santa claus has ever had we got in contact with like different agents with people different managers and just trying to feel out their rates you know some artists just weren't in our budget not to say they're not worth it or you know we wouldn't like to but just we didn't have that in our budget knowing that we had to pay for the cover up front. So I reached out to Billy, being a fan of both his band and his artwork with you know, within comics, and I just uh, flicked him an email just saying, hey, like, here's this project. Uh, there's a group of us doing this. What's your page rate and what's your availability look like, knowing that he's doing work for people like Marvel and IDW, but he's also touring full-time in a band. Uh, I didn't hear back from him <laughs> in, uh, I think it took about a week to hear back, and I was quite nervous when I did. I opened up the email, and he was just positive. He was the friendliest person. He was eager to do it. You know, he, he seemed excited to do this project in these emails. So we decided that we could do it. We could make it work. We tried to find out sort of like deadlines and when he could fit it in. And then 
from there, we got it done. I guess with other people within the project, there's other people that are well-known that are doing stories in it, and it just came out to me doing an open call, just putting it up on social media is going, I'm doing this Kickstarter, this project. I need people involved who's interested. And then it went to, I made a production group on Facebook, which was just all the behind-the-scenes stuff that was needed. Uh, I put character references in there, uh, background information, kept everyone in the loop. It was a very transparent group. Uh, Everyone was eager and showing various bits of work in progress to make that happen. And, yeah, that's just – I think the production group was what helped make a project with over 40 people in it work. Okay. I was actually going to ask you, like, how did you keep everybody on track when everyone is distributed around the world? So it sounds like this production group was really key. Now, did you open that group up to, like, let's say – the first couple of backers from your previous projects to kind of get feedback from the audience. Did you do anything like that? Not so much to, let's say, like the general public as such. Uh, There are quite a few people uh, both outside of the comic book industry, like just, uh, you know, strong supporters of projects that I've been involved with. And then other peers that I sort of reached out to them with it as an idea and, said, oh, look, how do you feel about this? Do you think it could work? Uh, you, and what what's your consensus on what this could be like? Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I did reach out to a few people just more to get an idea of what they think public perception would be like. That's really smart. Okay, I dig it. So let's pull back and talk about strategy. I want to get inside your head and figure out how you and your team prepare to launch Kickstarter campaigns. Are there different clear phases that you have? For instance, like, do you have an idea phase versus a marketing and launch phase? Yeah, we tend to start with the ideas first, you know, much like anything, you know, brainstorming. We decided, I guess, like at the beginning, what our end goal was with this, what we wanted to achieve from this campaign. Uh, Once we had that, I guess, like nutted out that we, you know, we had a goal where we knew that we wanted this book done, we need this much money, and once we had all that organized, then it gave us time and space to open up, all right, well, what do we have to do next? Uh, Obviously, marketing and promotion comes into that. If you don't have that stuff, it could go badly very quickly, uh, as it does on Kickstarter a lot. Uh, As you brought it up, you know, obviously... You've got your hand on the buzzer with that, knowing that. But you can see Kickstarter projects that aren't just even comic book, but just in general where they could have the greatest idea and then they put it on Kickstarter thinking that, well, they've done their job. Now everyone else has to do the rest and they don't promote it. And that ends badly when a project runs for 30 days and has like three backers and ends on like 6% funded. Oh, man. I feel bad. Yeah, I did too. I mean, because some of these ideas that these people do are good ideas, but they think that once it's on Kickstarter that someone else takes over or like that like just general public take over. And, I mean, there's a little bit of that. I mean, if you put, for instance, a comic book on Kickstarter, you've got to choose what category your project's in and then let's just say you're a comic book fan, 
you know, uh, like you, you can go through the website to find the category of comic books and then you can search it based on uh, how new a project is, how soon a project ends, how popular, so on and so forth. So you will get people that find your project just randomly, but to risk a whole campaign on hoping that you get enough random people to find it is a risk that I'm not willing to take. And what was your strategy for coming up with a total goal amount? Like why not aim for something in the high five or six figure range? At the end of the day, I think it comes down to my publisher's decision. It's hard for me to 100% what the market's like in a country that I don't live in. I know that, for instance, comic books are much more popular in the United States than they are here, and there's a lot of like a lot more stores over there than there are here. There's probably more stores in any given state in America than all of Australia combined. So that's always going to be a difficult thing to sort of anticipate and know what it will be like. Uh, but outside of that, I think. We knew what sort of quality book that we wanted to put out based on what we thought and what we believe our team of creators can like wrangle in, you know, through their supporters. That's one of the bonus things about this Kickstarter is each of these creative teams that come in have their own individual fan bases. So it's not like it's just my fan base or the next guy's fan base. It is everyone's fan base finds out about this project. So in a way, it's just magnified. Good point. Okay. Let's go back to uh, to marketing for a second. What's been your best strategy for having people find out about you? Like, is it all done primarily online or offline through your networking? Both. I think... Online's good for the there and then. Like, if if off the top of my head or off the top of someone else that's a part of the team comes up with an idea for promotion, we can take action on that there and then. Whereas if we're doing it all face-to-face, the ideas have to be planned beforehand or you just have to go off the cuff. So online's good for, I guess, keeping a consistent amounts of like advertising and marketing going and in this day and age where everyone's always on their mobile phones it works wonders but at the same time I think that face-to-face marketing works better if you have that ability purely for the fact that you let's say talk to a retailer that owns like a comic book store they're going to be able to hear and see and just feel your excitement about a project and your passion for a project as opposed to they're writing they're like reading letters on a screen which it's hard to really put any sort of emphasis on any of it and it's not like you're really allowed to write in all caps because then they just think that you're angry (laughs) or insane (laughs) so i think both are needed i really think that both are needed but obviously, like, online marketing is easier to access for the whole team. Would I prefer that every single person on the team, like, went out and visited their local comic book store and talked to them in person? Like, absolutely. But it's not feasible for everyone. We've got people that live, you know, miles and miles away. There's some that don't even have a comic book shop in their own country so it comes down to going look 
these people just have to do what they can, make do with what they have. And at the moment, and true enough with this project is they all have social media. So that's how they market it. That makes sense. Okay. So did you build up an audience at all and tease them with content before you launched on Kickstarter? Yeah. Uh, so Space Cops had been around before this anthology. There had been uh, a Kickstarter project for the first lot that went down that uh, I took to San Diego Comic-Con two years ago. The IP was known by quite a few people already. And then sure enough, we get the same people that uh, haven't heard of it, which then become new fans. As far as teasing it, we made sure that, for instance, the cover went out once we had the cover. When you tell them that you know the guitarist out of Good Charlotte Billy Martin has done the cover. Obviously, that helps too, uh, especially since he's done covers for other properties like X-Men and My Little Pony and Adventure Time and Star Wars and so on. So you sort of gain some level of credibility by having certain people on board. Other contributors tease their own work. Uh, I told them that before the Kickstarter went up, like, don't share any spoilers, like, don't do any of that. But if you have any sort of content that you feel doesn't give away your story, then go ahead and share it. So people had a lead up. They knew ideas of what they were getting into. But again, all on various fan bases, you know. We have people from the country, Georgia, which is up near, like, Turkey and Russia and stuff, uh, like, as a part of, like, the fan base. Well, their fan base is obviously going to be different to someone that lives in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, so there's always going to be that. We did a uh, creator showcase where I got images of uh, the various creators involved that were interested in doing it and gave like a little bit of a lead up with uh, information on them, their name, where they're located, their favourite food, their favourite film, their favourite music. It just sort of makes these people more real to the people on the outside. And I think that was important. So one of those images of the showcase got put up every day for, I think it was about four weeks. So that helped. That's a really smart content strategy to kind of build that know, like, and trust with your audience and then get people motivated to pledge once you guys finally launch. Yeah, that that was important for me. At the end of the day, I don't, want to misjudge anyone's perceptions of things. Uh, I I never want to come across that I already know where everyone's coming from. So it's up to me to make sure that people see things the way I want them to see it. So, for instance, yes, this book is being published by a publisher. This publisher is growing every day. They're getting good talent every day. Their properties are growing every day. However, compared to the likes of Marvel and DC and Image and Dark Horse, they're still small. And that means that these people, you know, at this time still have nine to five jobs. And then this is their five to like 1230 in the morning job. Uh, And then everyone that's involved with this are real people. They're living real lives there. We're not a big corporation just trying to make a quick buck or that we haven't worked hard for what we're trying to achieve. We're all individuals. We're all people that have teamed together for this one purpose. 
but we're exactly like the people that we're sitting to, like next to on the bus or that we're sitting next to in our office cubicle. Like we're no different, but what it is is that we've got a passion and the drive to do a project. And as much as it sounds soppy to say, we need all the help that we can get to make sure that this becomes big. And then the bigger it gets, the more that everyone gets from this as well. You know, if this blows past its goal, all the backers get extra things, you know, like we change the, the paper quality. We, we add stuff, you know, like patches and all that. Like it's never about, we just keep recouping this money. We give more for a backers dollar. That makes sense. And that's a really good approach. It's you're taking this approach of people connecting with people. And I think that's going to win out at the end of the day. So really smart stuff. So what's been some of your biggest challenges for getting this Kickstarter off the ground that you can share with us? At the beginning, I think the biggest challenge was just making sure that we had all of the artwork completed and to the right specifications uh, we needed for the book. Uh, there has been a what I like to call digital wizard working in the background. Uh, Mr. Nick Kremenek uh, has been putting together all of like the logos, the design work, the layouts of certain things, putting pages like the right specifications that didn't necessarily come in at the right specifications in extremely quick times so that we could send out what we call like advanced reader copies to like review sites and blogs. Uh, so that was always going to be the hardest one is just getting everyone on the same page and to stick to deadlines. Now, during the Kickstarter, probably the most difficult thing is, bad as it sounds, is having all of the team, I guess, share it as much as each other. That's probably the hardest thing is you, you'll get some people that are, like, really eager for this project to, like, happen and are, like, more excited than Christmas Day, and they share it with everyone that they know. And then you'll get some people that are a little bit more blasé about it and are like, oh, here's this project that I'm involved with, like, check it out if you like. And it's not that there's right or wrong with it, and it's not like it's fair to expect that everyone will go to the same level that others will or go to the same level that I am since, like, I'm going crazy about it and putting it everywhere. Um, but, yeah, that's probably the hardest thing is that just not everyone shares it or, like, spreads the word as much as others. Okay. So then let's talk about some tactics to create the hedge. So are you guys currently planning on or running paid advertising for your campaign? We're looking at it. I think we're more playing it by ear with it. We have advertising funds put aside for it. So like if we wanted to do Instagram ads or Facebook ads or whatever the publisher sees fit. But I think we're holding out to see just how it's going probably until like the last like one or two weeks. If obviously if we can reach this goal naturally and organically without paid advertising, then that's a bonus. But if we feel like we need that help or we would like that help, then obviously like we've got it ready. We will use it if we have to. Anything that we don't use in advertising will be put directly into the book and and one thing too that i don't want to discount is that since you've done these things in the past you're in this unique position to say hey i can use the the data from my past backers to use let's say facebook ads to create look-alike audiences which 
puts you way ahead of the game when it comes to let's do uh, like a paid advertisement to push it across the goal. So something to think about for all the listeners out there. So what's your plan for fulfilling orders to your backers once the goal has been reached? So, I mean, that's an interesting thing for me. Uh, Generally, prior to this uh, Kickstarter, I fulfilled it all myself. So I I went to the printer, organized the printing, got proof copies sent out, make sure that there's no mistakes and that it's printed the way I like it. You know, whether that be that I can just like the paper stock or uh, any of that sort of thing. And then the books would be shipped to my house and be just kept in the in the garage until uh, I had sent them all out in A4 envelopes with cardboard and literally doing it all myself, like bundling it together. This time round, the publisher is using a company called Backer Kit, which is like a fulfillment site that works as almost like a pre-order and like post-order thing, as well as like a warehouse. So when I've printed my books, 500 copies at a time, like that's big, that's what I'll do. Whereas this time around, we're looking at more like 1,000 to 5,000 books, you know, and I've never had to deal with that myself. So through Backer Kit, I think what happens is like all of the information at the end of Kickstarter then goes to Backer Kit. It gives people the opportunity to add extra projects, like products from the project on it. Like, you know, do you want to buy another book? Do you want to buy, you know, this, this, this? It's like an online shop. And then you put all your details in it, like your address. They make sure that it's all correct. When the time comes that the products get shipped out, back a kit through that as well. So all these books will be shipped out from their warehouse. And I think they've got like various depots in various parts of the US and in other countries as well. So yeah, I, at the end of it, that's the goal. It's it's scary to think about, but it pretty much goes in the hands of Backer Kit after that. Wow, I can't believe you're printing them yourself and shipping those out. But it sounds like a huge weight off your shoulders, though, if it goes to Backer Kit, because you're not having to print everything yourself. Yeah, I think it's important if you want people to believe in your work and to get behind your work, you have to visibly show that you're putting in the hard yards. Like I'm not going to just like spill out an idea and then go sit in a recliner chair and just like hope that someone comes and feeds me grapes while this gets funded. Uh, What I want them to see is when I announce a project or launch a project on Kickstarter, I want them to see me like hit the ground running, putting it in the hands of backer kit, you know, obviously a huge load off the shoulders, but with me not doing it, I want to be certain that people are getting their, their rewards. So it would be me liaising with the publisher going, so how's Backkit going? Are people getting their stuff? Have they started sending? Have they done all that? Because it's out of my hands. It's happening in a completely different country to me. So the stress levels then go up then because I want to make sure that people are getting what they've paid for. Okay. So personally, are there any tools or books that you can recommend that have really helped you on your entrepreneurial journey? I think as far as tools go, probably the best tool to have would be in whatever field you're in or like whatever you're trying to get off the ground, network, 
build up emails and make almost like a mailing list, but then personalize it. Don't have everyone get the same email. You know, say, hey, Brad and Sue at X shop. Hope everything's going good. You know, haven't been in for a while, blah, 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 blah. Here's what I'm doing. And then that's probably the most valuable tool is always just keeping a face there. Outside of books and I guess like courses is uh, there's an author who is actually a part of the Space Cops Origins Kickstarter, uh, Russell Noity. I hope I'm saying his last name right. If not, I'll blame it on the Australian accent. Uh, He does a bunch of different courses, you know, be it uh, how to write your own novel, how to do Kickstarter campaigns, how to market yourself. Outside of that, uh, he speaks highly of mailing lists. So he does what he calls list builders. Uh, So like, for instance, he's done one for Hellboy. There was a Hellboy movie that came out. So people that were interested put in money, like paid him X amount. That money then got put into like buying books like Hellboy books, Hellboy toys, other collectibles like that. And then from there, the money also went to paying for like Facebook ads so that it was a giveaway. So if you signed up like to the mailing list, you got a chance to win this prize pack. So you have however many people like signing up, you know, trying to win this prize pack. But each and every mailer like that signed up for it knows what they're signing up for, and you get a mailing list based on all of the entries. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. I'll be sure to link up both the books and then uh, links to that as well in the show notes. So we're nearing the end of the interview, and I wanted to ask you a couple more questions. What's something that you're grateful for that's been a direct result of running your own business? I guess, as, as bad as it sounds, I would say over-eager supporters. There are supporters out there that I believe would buy every book that I ever release, no matter how awful it is. I could leave every second word out of a book and do everything I can to make an awful book, and they would still buy it and support it and share it and do everything. So you can never overestimate your fan base and never overestimate, like, the people that have been there from the start. Yeah, I'd say I'm more thankful for the people and the opportunities that this has given me to meet people, just people in general. This doesn't have to be as lonesome as sitting at a writing desk writing for eight hours a day, and I think I would be amiss if I didn't interact with these people. So, yeah, I'd say the community and the supporters are probably the things that I'm most grateful for. That's great. All right, so it looks like you built up quite the business for yourself. And one question that we ask all of our guests is that if you had to start over from the beginning, from day one, what would be your number one smart tip for launching a successful business? I would say don't sell yourself short. If you compare yourself to the guy doing the same stuff next to you who's been doing it for five years and your goals are set the same as his, it's most likely going to end in disaster. So Yeah, I think one thing that I would change and that, like, one thing that I'd say is, yeah, like, set goals. Like, don't make them too easy. Also know that it's okay to pull back and to change and reassess your goals all the time. You should never have, like, stagnant goals. I think that goals should always change based on whatever climate you're currently in. That's great, great insight. Again, Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to jump on the show and share what you know. Where can people go to learn more about what you're up to? So 
at least with the Kickstarter, if you go into kickstarter.com and if you go to that search bar up top and in Space Cops Origins, so that's cops with a Z, uh, so you go there, you can find the Kickstarter on that. Across all social media, Space Cops is at Space Cops, again with a Z. So I've kept it all the same. So that's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's all on there. And then I guess outside of that, I would I would just suggest people to check out all of the other work from the other creatives in there. So if you do find the Kickstarter campaign and scroll down, there's a list that has like everyone working on the book. So I highly suggest that you go and check out their work. It's all different. They're all from all different places in the world. No one artist is similar to the next, and it just makes for an interesting book. So definitely check out their work too. Awesome. I'll be sure to go ahead and put those links into the show notes at startupsmarter.net forward slash podcast. Well, again, Mike, thanks for coming on the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much for having me. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Mike Speakman, creator of the Space Cops comic book series. Some of my biggest takeaways from this episode was a discussion we had around the differences of how creators got paid uh, traditionally versus through crowdfunding. It's something that I didn't know before and I thought was really interesting. Also, I enjoyed talking about his organic traffic strategies that have helped him successfully fund past crowdfunding projects as well as how he coordinates a project with a 100% remote team, which with any business, that's really hard to do. So very insightful stuff there. And then lastly, talking about the differences in the different phases of his Kickstarter process. So it was nice to kind of sit him down, pick his brain about how do you go through the idea phase versus the marketing phase and how does that work for your business? And lastly, if you want to go show support for his comic book, which only has a few days left before his Kickstarter ends, I'll go ahead and put a link in the show notes. And you can check out that and all the other links for this episode over at startupsmarter.net forward slash podcast and looking for episode 008. And for both newer and seasoned listeners of the podcast, one question for you. How are we doing? Are we serving you? Did you enjoy the content we're putting out there? If so, please consider leaving us a review wherever you're listening to the podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, because your reviews help us to grow. And I personally love getting your feedback. It helps make the show better. Lastly, don't forget to join the other Startup Smarter podcast listeners over at our official Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash startupsmarter.net. There we'll be sharing some fun behind the scenes content answering questions from the community, and helping you start your next big business idea. All right, my friends, that wraps up episode number eight of the Startup Smarter Podcast. This is Joe Johnson signing off, and I'll see you in the next episode.